Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And a good Thursday morning to you. It is Thursday, October 12, 2023. Great to be with you on this, a feast of a wonderful blessed, blessed Carlo Acutis, known as a saint of the internet, pray for us, died as a teen. And you can visit his tomb in beautiful Assisi. He is buried at... St. Mary Major of Assisi because he loves St. Francis of Assisi so much. Catholic News Agency has a fantastic article, 10 Things You Should Know About Carlo Acutis, who was Carlo Acutis, originally published shortly after his beatification in 2020, but a very good article. It gives you a lot of background about this amazing young man of God who loved the Lord so much. And he's known as a saint of the internet because of all the work he did online to collect information all about the Eucharistic miracles. Again, Carlo Acutis, blessed Carlo, pray for us. Coming up on the program today, it is a Thursday, so Father Mitch Pacwa is going to be joining us. We're going to try to get to the news right away so we can wrap up just a few minutes early because Father Mitch, as we know, is a scripture scholar, an amazing TV and radio host here at EW10, an author, a speaker. But he has been to the Holy Land so many times, not only leading groups, but there as well, speaks so many languages, and is very familiar with the situation there and all of its conflicts and being the home to three major religions. Also familiar, very familiar, is our dear friend Steve Ray. And Steve just returned, actually, from Israel, now before all of this started, but he has a very, very powerful perspective and great background information about Israel and the land itself. So these two men are going to be joining us today. A lot to say, a lot to cover Father Mitch Pacwa and Steve Ray. I did want to let you know tomorrow, the lovely Sherry Brownnug will be filling in for me in the next week. Uh, Vanessa and Sherry will be taking turns. I will be on the air, I believe, on Thursday. For the most part, I'll be traveling through central Italy, Umbria, Tuscany, and then down to Lazio with 46 beautiful ladies who have joined us for the Wine and Shrine Pilgrimage. That stands for Wine is an Acronym, Women in the New Evangelization. Two minutes past the hour, let's get to see what's happening with an update from not only Israel, but also what the Catholic Church is saying now about calling for prayer and fasting. Here we go. Catholic News Agency is reporting the Latin Catholic Patriarch of Jerusalem calling for a day of prayer and fasting this Tuesday, October 17th, for peace and reconciliation in the Holy Land. Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzabella urging Catholics to organize times of prayer with Eucharistic adoration and recitation of the Rosary to deliver to God the Father our thirst for peace, justice, and reconciliation. He said, in this time of sorrow and dismay, we do not want to remain helpless. We cannot let death and its sting, quoting 1 Corinthians 15.55, be the only word we hear. That is why he said in a statement issued yesterday, we feel the need to pray, to turn our hearts to God the Father. Only in this way, he said, we can draw the strength and serenity needed to endure these hard times by turning to him in prayer and intercession to implore and cry out to God amidst this anguish. Piazza Bella, who serves as a head of the Latin Catholics living in Israel, the Palestinian territories, Jordan and Cyprus, acknowledging the war may inhibit many Catholics in the Holy Land from organizing large gatherings and encourage simple and sober common moments of prayer in parishes, religious communities, and families. 
In response, meanwhile, Catholics from around the world have also pledged on social media, according to CNA, to join in the fast for the Peace in the Holy Land Solidarity, which falls on the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch, the first century bishop and martyr from Syria. The death toll among Israelis and Palestinians surging to 2,200 yesterday as health ministry officials in Gaza announced that more than 1,000 Palestinians have died in bombardments and Hamas surprise attack on Israel on Saturday. The Israeli embassy to the U.S. said on Wednesday that more than 3,000 Israelis were also hurt as a result of the attacks. And the White House confirming at least 22 Americans were killed and 17 are now missing following the attack on Israel. The National Security Council spokesman Job Kirby said those numbers could continue to rise and a number of Americans are also being held hostage again by the militant or terrorist group Hamas. The Biden administration, though, facing calls to freeze $6 billion in Iranian assets as Israel is at war with Hamas. The funds were recently freed up as part of a deal to secure the release of Americans attained in Iran. Republicans this week have called on the administration to put on hold those funds again following Hamas's attack on Israel, claiming there is still a risk the money could be used against Israel in the conflict. The family of an Israeli-American soldier from New Jersey who was serving in the Israeli military is confirming that he was killed in the attack. Yesterday, the family of a 20-year-old, Itel Gisco, found out he was among those killed. It's terrible. First of all, the four days of unknown, what happened, and the hopes and the prayers, and then the horrible news Meantime, an Israeli soldier from New Jersey, Eden Alexander, is among the Americans missing in Israel. Maybe he's being captive. Maybe he's, God forbid, something else. It's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you go through emotional roller coaster. Meanwhile, a group of tourists from North Dakota who were stuck in Bethlehem as the Israeli Hamas war broke out are now in Jordan. Father Phil Ackerman of Holy Cross Catholic Church says a group spent seven hours at the Jordan border, which closed within a few hours of their crossing. North Dakota Senator John Hoven releasing a statement saying he has been working with the State Department to try to get the group on a flight out of the region. He has spoken with Father Ackerman to help coordinate the group's way home. And some schools are telling parents now to monitor their children's social media use while the war in Israel rages on. This woman is a mom to a Long Island seventh grader. They are upset. Kids are upset. It's affecting everybody. And this dad from Long Island, he says he has two kids in school, and he says openness and discussion right now especially is really important. Viewpoints are viewpoints at the end of the day, um, but, uh, you know, this this should not be, um, you know, hidden, for, uh, you know, just from conversations. Counselors are concerned, they say, over the possibility of graphic images of hostages held by the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas circulating. They warn the images could cause trauma. The National Association of School Psychologists recommends parents appear calm when talking to children about terrorism, but to also tell the truth. The CEO of X, formerly Twitter, says the social media platform has now removed hundreds of Hamas-affiliated accounts since the attack on Israel. Linda Yaccarino says the company assembled a leadership group to assess the situation shortly after the weekend attack and has redistributed resources to address the rapidly evolving situation. The move is in response to an ultimatum by the European Union to stop the spread of disinformation on X. In California, Sheriff Kelly Martinez out of San Diego, an area that has a large Jewish population, says they've increased patrols at places of worship in the county after the attacks against Israel. 
We're making sure that people feel safe and that they know that we're supportive of keeping all of our community members safe. So we've been doing extra patrols with some of our religious centers and some of our other areas, just trying to do what we can to keep everyone safe. The Sheriff's Department in San Diego saying they're working closely with state and federal law enforcement on any potential threats. In other news this morning, Mark Mayfield tells us House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next Speaker of the House. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113 to 99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting yesterday, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he'll need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. This comes after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the Speaker's chair last week. The United Auto Workers Union and their strike, well, the strike is expanding. The organization saying in a tweet that 8,700 UAW members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are joining the strike after Ford refused to make further movement in bargaining. Large F-Series pickup trucks are made at that plant, which are one of the company's more profitable vehicles. And Chris Caraggio tells us about a woman. Her name is Carly Russell, and she's been found guilty of faking her own abduction. Back in July, Russell called Alabama police claiming she saw a toddler walking on the side of the highway before she disappeared for more than 48 hours. A few weeks after returning home, she admitted she made up a fake story about being kidnapped. On Wednesday, a judge found her guilty of false reporting to law enforcement and falsely reporting an incident and recommended a one-year jail sentence. Nearly two in three Americans say businesses impact their lives in a positive way. That 63% number is up eight points from 2022. That's according to a new Gallup poll. More than half of respondents said businesses are good at making positive impacts in Americans' lives. But many also said there's room for them to do more. The poll found that Americans were twice as likely to say small businesses had a very positive impact on their lives, more so than larger ones. And finally, in our new segment at almost 819 today on a Thursday morning, October 12th, the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. Well, Brie Tennis has your plans for dinner tonight because today is National Gumbo Day. Yum. We've been eating gumbo since the 18th century. It's a stew using meat or shellfish with the Holy Trinity, celery, bell peppers, and onions, but it does not have to have okra. Its origins are a mix of French, African, Spanish, and Native American, and there are gumbo rules. Get that roux nice and brown, no tomatoes, the ratio is two parts gumbo, one part rice, and you have to eat it out of a bowl. It is a Thursday morning. Father Mitch Pacwa joining us. Cultural Connections today, concentrating on the situations developing in Israel. We'll be right back on a Thursday, the Feast of Carlo Acutis. Pray for us. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell and somebody saying to you, what are you here for? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. 
You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTM. We come to you live, good Lord willing, every day, Monday through Friday at this time. And on Thursdays in this segment, the first segment in our EWTN Hour, we always try to check in with an amazing scripture scholar, friend, author, speaker, and one of our most popular hosts here on EWTN Radio and TV, Father Mitch Pacwa. Father, boy, you came to mind over the weekend when I first heard about this. I'm just going to let you start by by just kind of giving, I mean, you've been watching, obviously, as we all have, the developments, the horrific things that have been happening uh, in Israel. Mm-hmm. Just just give us kind of your thoughts now. Here we are several days into this with so many people losing their lives, others hurt. Uh, just your thoughts, and I know you wanted to give us some background about the terrorist group Hamas. Yeah, I thank you very much for having me. And, you know, this is... Uh, extraordinarily painful to watch and uh, to see the kind of atrocities. This is something that should never be forgotten, that what is at stake are uh, a sucker punch kind, uh, a set of absolutely horrendous atrocities. Israel did not know that they were going to be attacked. Hamas um, didn't dare signal. From what I've heard, they even used handwritten notes passed on by couriers to coordinate to make sure that there'd be no electronic media that the Israelis would pick up. They're certainly monitored. Um, and And then they came and attacked um, not combatants, but uh, everyone from uh, young people at a concert to, uh, we saw, uh, heard about anyway, the 40 little children, babies who were killed and decapitated. Um, this is horrendous to say. And it's certainly uh, over 1,200 people that were killed at opening day. There will be more who get killed, unfortunately. And I said this on my shows uh, the last couple of days. I want to lay this out as a basic principle that I learned from listening to the patriarch of Jerusalem. I interviewed him in 94, just as the possibility of peace was starting to come forward that uh, allowed Yasser Arafat to come back 
to Gaza uh, at that time. And he said an extraordinarily wise point. If you love the Jews and hate the Arabs, you are no friend to the Jews. If you love the Arabs and hate the Jews, you are no friend to the Arabs. You cannot love one and hate the other and then seek reconciliation between the two. It's impossible. So there, we have to have a concern for both communities, but also a, uh, a very clear commitment to following moral principles. What Hamas did has no moral basis to it. And I think uh, I've said also on my programs, I'd say it again and again, when you see the videos posted by Hamas, these are taken by the people that were making the attack. And you look at the faces. Don't just look at the deeds. Look at the faces of the perpetrators. And you see this wide-eyed type of glee. It's what some people like to call crazy eyes, that there is the, their eyes are wide and they are ready to do uh, a type of fanatic evil. And it's on their faces. Watch for that when you look at the news. And pay attention to the, that, that gets at the kind of personalities that are being dealt with in these, this battle. Now, in terms of background, um, Israel was formed as a state in 1948. Uh, the United Nations voted, and within five hours uh, of approving Israel's existence as a state, uh, largely because of the, the strong feelings that were still present after World War II and the horrible uh, Nazi Kill, uh, attempt to exterminate the Jews, the world had this sense we have to let the Jews have their own state in which to protect their own. Within five hours, there was a fight. The country was carved up in crazy ways, and the map looked so odd because Palestinians and Israelis lived amongst each other, and they were fighting their neighbors. That turned out with the, what we call today the West Bank being under the protectorship of Jordan, and Gaza was under the protectorship of Egypt. There was an Egyptian organization, still exists, called the Muslim Brotherhood, Ikhwan Muslimin, and they had a big impact on the group that we now call Hamas, that a lot of the ideology comes from that group. They had been fighting against the British since 1927. They fought against the government of King Farouk, uh, which was overthrown by a military coup led by Gama Abdel Nasser, and then they fought against the Egyptian government. And they were behind the, the, the assassination of Egypt's president, Anwar Sadat, 
because he made peace with Israel. So that group has a long history of violence, and they had direct influence on Palestinians in terms of a religious and political ideology for a uh, uh, Islamic government. Hamas, uh, eventually, the uh, Israel gave back the uh, a big swath of uh, Egyptian territory after the 67 war. Israel had gone all the way to Sinai. They gave it back to Egypt, uh, and then uh, the, they kept Gaza. They stayed in Gaza until 2002 or so, and then they pulled out because it was just too hard to rule. And they forced Jewish settlers in that territory to leave. And they, they let that be under the Palestinian Authority. Now, again, just to keep in mind, I know this is a little bit much, but you have to understand some of these tensions. Hamas formed in Gaza as its own group, uh, you know, later period. And in the West Bank, another group of Palestinian leaders called Fatah, they had been in charge of Yasser Arafat and now Mahmoud Abbas. They don't like each other. They have different ideologies. The Fatah movement is more of an Arab and Palestinian nationalistic group. They want Palestinian nation and nationalism, while Hamas wants a much more uh, Islamic government. Overall, Fatah was more corrupt financially. Hamas was more honest about getting aid to the people. So they got voted in as the rulers of Gaza. And I think in 2006 or so. And they haven't had any elections since then. Nobody can vote against them. They get a lot of aid from Iran and other countries as well. And they get a lot of military aid from Iran. And even though they are from different branches of Islam, Hamas is Sunni, Iran is Shia. They still, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend principle comes into play. Mm-hmm. And Iran has been training Hamas in, uh, with the use of rockets and fighting and all sorts of other tactics. And over the years, Hamas has sent rocket attacks and sometimes uh, terrorist attacks. But this was by far the largest. There were, you know, uh, you know at least 1,500 that just poured through about 80 holes that they made in the wall around uh, Gaza. And this, this is how this killing ha- happened. It is using this Islamist uh, point of view. And when, you know, one of the things that you can take a lot of verses in the Quran in all sorts of directions, uh, but there is a verse that says in, in Surah 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 12, um, 
cut off their heads at the neck and cut off their, their fingers. That this was used. Now, most Muslims, the vast majority of Muslims, do not use that uh, as a policy. Hamas did. And that points to their Islamist point of view. Another issue that you have to keep in mind, and this is why I bring up the crazy eyes uh, hatred, they are trained in absolute dehumanizing of Israelis and others, including Westerners, the way the Iranians do. And this absolute dehumanization steals people's will to go and do atrocities such as we've seen with raping, burning, killing, beheading, killing children in front of their parents, killing parents in front of their children, all this to increase the viciousness. They were trying to increase the viciousness, and they're trying to stoke a war by showing this absolute hatred, but it's also an absolute hatred that makes their hearts like, uh, like dry ice when it comes to other people's humanity. And that's also why we will see over the coming months that they will use civilians as human shields against their mm. own attacks on Israel. Father, thank you for that information and that background. So, so helpful and insightful. More with Father Mitch Pacwa. It is a Thursday morning. You're listening to Catholic Connection. This section entitled Cultural Connections, Father Mitch Pacwa addressing these issues that we're seeing unfold in the Middle East, specifically Israel and the Holy Land. We'll be right back. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The virtue of purity and holy chastity is certainly a very important thing, but I think we can misunderstand this beatitude. As human beings in our fallen state, we tend to love things and use people. But we're meant to use things and love people. We can manipulate in relationships and we can try to control other people and we can focus on other people as objects. But to be pure in heart is to be in love. And ultimately, to be pure in heart and to be happy is to be in love with God himself as well. This beatitude calls us to have a focus on being open to choosing God, choosing life, to choose love. If God is not the ultimate end of our desires and our hopes and dreams, we will be the saddest of people. Let's say yes to God and choose His way. Be focused on His love and pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. EWTN's Father Mitch Pacwa joining us this morning with his take on the developments in Israel. It's October 12th, the Feast of Carlo Acutis. So, Father, reading reports this morning, there are some concerns that this is going to be a long one. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, I have no doubt, because uh, there are a number of issues at stake. One, the uh, Israelis do not want more of their own casualties if they can avoid it. That they, they don't want to see um, you know, more Israelis die than have already died. So they are going to approach this very, very cautiously. And, uh, and 
see why that would be the case. I mean, uh, the loss of the uh, 1,200 or so Israelis that already died would be like losing, you know, over 30,000 in the United States in mm-hmm. our population. So it's completely understandable um, that they want to be very cautious. So they are going to go step by step uh, and very, very slowly in this, this approach. Um, and this is something that we also see that there are so many um, uh, um, folks around the world. I mean, I, I saw this uh, shameful uh, chanting in Australia, gas the Jews, specifically, specifically meant to uh, try, trigger people's anger and fear towards the Holocaust. And can, they, they are trying to make this uh, comparison to the Holy, Holocaust. And in part, I don't know exactly what they were up to, but my suspicion is they were trying to uh, you know, stir people up so there'd be an overreaction because one, if I may be very frank, um, one of the sad games that gets played in the Middle East is one of who's the bigger victim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the part, just like we see in this country, victimization gives you empowerment if you know how to use it, that you can get um, various people to say, oh, you're a victim, so anything you do is therefore justifiable. See, that's what the victimization game is about. How do I get, um, you know, uh, bigger victim status, and then I can go ahead and get more sympathy, and then do whatever I wish and justify it. That's one of the evil games that gets played on the political realm. All of us, you know, uh, who have any kind of humanity within, needs to have a clear sense, I do not fall for these emotional arguments. I evaluate the moral actions that were done on moral principles. And, you know, so for instance, in this case, you look at what Hamas did. They They did a type of fighting that has no uh, justification on a moral basis. None. Why do you say that? Well, aren't they oppressed? You can deal with all of that kind of argument about uh, how they, you know, their situation. But even in the case of a just war, you mm-hmm. cannot morally commit 
some sort of an action that has no hope of actually accomplishing a just outcome. There, there was no way that this attack could possibly bring about an improvement of Gaza's political and moral situation. It could not from the way that they did this. So what you have is this uh, terrible action. And then the actions themselves were inherently immoral. We have to also apply just war uh, thinking to the state of Israel, that they may not target no army, not only just Israelis, but no army can target innocent uh, citizens the way Hamas had targeted uh, Israelis. That is inherently immoral and unacceptable. And so this is, again, uh, where the moral principles must be applied evenly so that all uh, everybody involved acts in a way that has humanity to it. I think at this point, the Israelis certainly are, are making it clear that they do not want to target um, Palestinian civilians, but that they do intend to destroy Hamas, uh, which are the combatants. That is not immoral. But, you know, uh, and any of their other actions has to be looked at uh, on a moral basis, as always. We do that with our own government. We should do that with every government. That's the nature of uh, dealing with sinful humanity. But, you know, justifying bad behavior because you agree with their ultimate goals has no justification. Yeah. And this is Father, we're almost out of time. I don't mean to interrupt you, but can you wrap up by, by suggesting, I know that, the, that um, the Patriarch of Jerusalem is calling for Catholics have a day of prayer and fasting on Tuesday the 17th. What else yes. can we do as concerned Catholics when looking at this situation? I think, you know, um, we have to be a, uh, a very sober and clear moral voice. That, that's why I'm bring, laying some of this out. Mm-hmm. We have to take a moral uh, uh, approach towards what's going on in uh, this war and apply the same moral principles to everybody involved, and uh, with no exception. And that principle... And truth has to be there. Again, I think we can support, you know, the Israelis trying to take out Hamas, um, but also call them to be just towards non-combatants to the extent possible in such a horrible situation. Um, mm. And then, you know, in terms of this war, I, who knows how long it'll go, but helping, being ready to help with a rebuilding of a more just situation in Israel and Palestine to help prosperity there, that would be important. Father, thank you so much. Have a blessed week, and we will rest of your week, and we will continue to watch you, and I'm sure you'll bring it up on your programs. Father Mitch Paco, everyone from EWTM. We'll be right back. Steve Ray up next to wrap us up on a Thursday. 
Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Wrapping up our discussion today on Catholic Connection's October 12th program. By the way, Steve Ray is going to be on with Father Mitch on November 1st on his live program to talk about his new book, Genesis, which is excellent. And there's been so much breaking news. We haven't had a chance to sit down with Steve and tape more interviews and do some more live interviews on his new book, but we will be doing that, God willing, in the very near future. Steve is known for his great conversion story and his book, Crossing the Tiber, and many other books. His website is catholicconvert.com. He's also known for the amazing work work he's done uh, traveling over to Israel so many times to the Holy Land and pilgrimages, I think over 200 times now. So Steve, I know you've been monitoring this very closely. So you heard Father Mitch's interview. What is your yep. take on the situation, having so many ties there? Thanks for joining us. Well, yeah, my wife and I have been over 200 times to Israel, and I would just say I listened to your interview here with uh, Father Mitch, and I he was spot on. He's a brilliant guy, and I think that he just did an excellent job of laying out the whole background mm-hmm. of what's going on there and uh, the evil of what Hamas is doing. Uh, a lot of people are trying to justify it and make Israel out to be the bad guy, but I think that Father Mitch did an excellent job of giving the real perspective, and I just want to concur with everything he said. So, um, you know, we have been there a lot of times, and we just left uh, two days before the roof blew off. We were wow. very happy to. We were there for the whole month of September. We had two, bu- uh, three buses. So first we had one bus, and then they went home, and we got another two-bus group, and they went home, and we got back, and two days later everything blew up. So it was good because I know a lot of groups there now who are stuck, and the airlines are canceling their flights, and uh, they're trying to get out through Jordan. I know um, that it's very difficult. We have... Uh, six trips going to Israel in the next eight months. So you can be sure I'm watching this very carefully. <laughs> sure. having, having all these trips, uh, people registered and everything, and we're making big decisions now. And like Mitch, Father Mitch said, um, I, I think it's going to take time because we've gone through this cycle many times, Teresa, uh, in our own situation over 20 years. We've been we've actually been going 30 years, but 20 years leading groups. So we've gone through this cycle many times, but I think, like he had uh, said earlier, that this is this is bigger than it's been in the past, and this is going to take more time. Because Hamas doesn't mind just slaughtering people, doesn't matter whether they're old, young children or whatever, but Israel tries to be uh, discriminate. It, it could go in there and just blanket bomb the whole Gaza small. They could just wipe Gaza out, but they don't do that because the, the Israel has a respect for humanity, and they try to do things um, in a proper way. So anyway, I think it's going to take some time, so we're hunkering down and and making plans for our groups and what we're going to do. So you you have so much great background and insider knowledge, just like Father Mitch, because you've been there so many times and and know so many people there. What are your friends there? For example, what is Amr Shaheda, with whom you work with on a regular basis and who's a Catholic in Nazareth? What's he saying about what's happening, his perspective from Nazareth? Well, I, I, I'm not bothering him because I know how busy he is right now trying to uh, arrange for groups that are coming and going and getting people out of there. But I know that I, I've been texting him, and he told me that even in Nazareth, where he lives, and that is in central Israel, so it's not near the north where Hezbollah is, nor the south where Hamas is, but he said even in Nazareth, the, um, the sirens are going off and he's hearing booms everywhere. 
So it is it is reaching beyond just the Gaza southern range, and um, and and it's affecting all of Israel. In fact, all the tour groups that were there, they're not allowed. Nobody's allowed to go out in groups of more than ten. They're restricted to their hotels, and um, it's uh, it's like a time when everybody is cautious. Now, my friend Amir, of course, is a Palestinian. Roman Catholic, I, I should say interesting because you see how confusing things are over there. He's a Palestinian by, by culture. He's, his less families lived in that land called Palestine. We're, we're going to talk about why it's called Palestine in a minute. He's an Arab because that's his mother tongue, Arabic. He is a Roman Catholic and an Israeli citizen. So he he is, along with most of the Christian Palestinians, in favor of Israel because Israel brought justice and courts and yeah, and it, and takes care of the Christians to a great degree. It's the only country there in the Middle East that has a freedom of religion. And when we talk about Palestinians, we really have to segregate, because I, I say to people kind of in a, in a simple way that you, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. There are Christian Palestinians and there are Muslim Palestinians, and they're very distinct. The Muslim Palestinians are the ones you see chanting in Sydney, Australia, and now in Dearborn, here in Michigan, and they're for the annihilation of Israel and this kind of thing. And they're the Muslim Palestinians, and then the majority of them go on that side. But then you have the Christian Palestinians who do not participate in jihad. They do not want to do these things. They do not bomb and kill indiscriminately like this. They're peaceful people, and most of them are in favor of Islam, do not want the Palestinian Authority, which is a corrupt, even Father Mitch was talking about how corrupt they were, um, doesn't want them in charge. The, the Christians in general are happy under Israel. There's problems, yes. They're treated unfairly in certain situations, yes, but in general, the Christian Palestinians are in favor of Israel as being there, and the Muslim Palestinians are not. So it's helpful for people to make that distinction. Well, let's talk about the roots of Palestine. Where does that word come from? Well, the word, when Rome came in and destroyed um, the temple in 70 AD, they, in the beginning of the second century, they renamed this place. It was originally called Canaan. Abraham came. They came back with Joshua. They took over the land, and it was called Israel. Then it split into two, and Israel was in the north, and Judea was in the south. Then the only, that northern part was taken away, so all that was left was Judea. When Jesus was there, that whole area around Jerusalem was called Judea. And that, that's where we get the word Jew, and that's where we get the word Judaism. They all come from Judea, that country, and it was from the tribe of Judah. Well, when Rome came in and Israel, the Jews fought against Rome, and they destroyed the temple in 70 A.D. and then Masada in 72 A.D., then Rome changed the name of it to Syria, Palestina. And from that point on, it was referred to as Palestine, or the Palestinian areas as we know it. And that word comes from the word Philistine. And if you think about that for a minute, you can see what mm -hmm. Rome did. Rome did that to completely denigrate and humiliate and wipe out the memory of Israel and Judea and the Jews. And he named that land after the Philistines. That would be like say, somebody taking over the United States and renaming it China. Hmm. So this is, they named it the Philistines to 
to humiliate and to wipe out, in a sense, the memory of the Jews being there. And so from that, that's where the word Palestine comes from. I'm very discriminate when I use that word. And I don't use it. I don't say Jesus was a Palestinian Jew, because that word didn't come to be, the land didn't come to be called that until the second century. So when I hear people say, well, you know, the Palestinian, Jesus was a Palestinian Jew or something, I, I say, well, wait a minute, that wasn't even called Palestine. He was a Judean Jew. <laughs> and so... But that's where that word came from, uh, and it gives a little bit of context. But, you know, Israel, the state of Israel today is very small. It's amazing that it makes the news so much, considering all the other countries and the conflicts going on, because Israel's only 8,000 square miles. You mm -hmm. can drive across it in a day easy. It's the size of New Jersey. And there are only, in the whole world, I think people are shocked by this, you know, there's one and a half billion Christians and one and a half billion Muslims, roughly, you know. But wait, how many Jews are there in the world today? Well, prior to the Holocaust, the Nazi Holocaust, there were 16 million Jews. Today, because so many were killed, 6 million Jews were killed, even today they have not regained those numbers. And even in the whole world today, there's only 14 million Jews. Roughly half of them live in the United States and half of them live in Israel. So this is a very small number of people, uh, the Jewish people. Only 14 million of them exist in the whole world. And it's, um, you know, the proportion of news that they get is really quite extraordinary. Yeah. We're talking with Steve Ray, of course, author, speaker, and convert to Catholicism, and his website is catholicconvert.com, also an experienced pilgrimage leader with his emphasis uh, on Israel. So, Steve, we were going back and forth this morning, and I so appreciate all the information you're sharing, but you're, you're getting a sense that this, this is different than, than other conflicts in the past. Right. The number of Jews killed in one day here, there's never been that many Jews killed in a day since the Holocaust. Now, there's mm -hmm. been fighting in Israel. There's been fighting, and, and uh, Jewish soldiers and civilians have been killed, but not in the numbers of, like, 1,300 in this short time. More than ever in a day since the Holocaust, which shows the magnitude. And also, Father Mitch said this, and he's absolutely correct. When you consider the number of people killed, if you put it in the percentage of America, you'd be talking thirty or 40,000 people killed. When you look at your nation and that many people are killed, it's very devastating, and, it's, um, and, it, and it is uh, a magnitude that we're not haven't seen in Israel in a long time. And Israel then is being very discriminate in their response because they could, like I said, just go in there and bomb everything, but they're, they're targeting the military areas. But one of the problems that they have is that these Hamas, they will put their headquarters, they will put their soldiers and shoot missiles out of hospitals and schools so that when Israel responds by targeting where those missiles are coming from, they pinpoint it, boom, they hit that missile site that blow up a school or a hospital, and then they get accused of blowing up civilian places. But that's the way Hamas operates. So it's really a nefarious um, enemy that they're fighting, and Israel is really in a precarious situation on how to respond. They can't let this go on forever. They've got to stop it, but like Father Mitch said, they got to stop it properly and carefully. They can't just go in there and act like Hamas. They are acting much more civilized about it, and um, unfortunately, that makes it go slower, and they have to be more precise. What have you seen of the media coverage? It's extremely frustrating to me in terms of the secular media, where they refuse to call Hamas terrorists and are calling them militants. Yeah, that's... Uh... It, it, it is very sad. It's sad indeed. It's like calling an abortionist 
a, um, a, a freedom a liberator, liberating a woman from an unwanted pregnancy. You know, we, 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 these things called euphemisms where we call something something else to make it not sound so bad. It's like somebody who commits abortion, you call them choice. That's, that's a euphemism. What they're doing is killing a baby. And to see these people as freedom fighters is not the case at all. They're going out and slaughtering people. Teresa, I've always said that in my summary of this whole situation is this. Israel's not going anywhere. They're a strong military country. They're not going anywhere. Hamas is not going to push them into the Mediterranean Sea. They're there for the long term, and they're determined. Hamas and the, and the Palestinians should learn to live with Israel instead of against Israel. In other words, you have, you have the um, Palestinians who have labor, and they have resources, and you have Israel with money and technology. And if you put those two forces together, you have one of the most wealthy parts of the world. The two of those working together could produce an un, unlimited wealth and prosperity for the people and opportunities for the young people and education and all these things going on. But if, but if Hamas and the and West Bank as well, if they continue to fight against Israel, they lose all those opportunities. In a way, they hate, their, they hate Israel more than they love their own children because they're kids. What opportunity now in Gaza do those young people have? The families that have young people there, what opportunities do those young people are going to have in the next 20 years because of what's happening now? A job that's in Gaza, if you have the same job across the border in Israel, pays 10 times more. So the people in Gaza, if they were smart, they would learn to live with instead of always fighting against them, because then the borders would open. They would have all kinds of opportunities for their children. They'd be very wealthy area of the country. But unfortunately, they don't think that way, and they're trying to destroy Israel, which they're never going to do anyway. Well, some of them, I think, do want to remove by the by Gaza because they have such control. Hamas has such control. They're not allowing that to happen. Steve, great. Thank you so much for this information. Very helpful. And we look forward to having you back on again very soon. And we'll go to your website and your Facebook page. I'm sure you're going to be writing and blogging a lot about it, catholicconvert.com. We will be right back. And don't forget, Steve is going to be on Father Mitch's live program on the 1st of November, all about his new book. Great background, by the way. Tons of info on Genesis. We'll be right back on a Thursday to let you know what's coming up tomorrow. Stay tuned. Wrapping up a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Coming up tomorrow, Doug Keck with the Inside Word. Sherry Browning filling in for me next week. Vanessa Denhagarmo and Sherry, and I'll be doing next Thursday a week from today. But for the most part, I will be on the road throughout Italy with our pilgrims. And if you have any prayer requests, email them for to me, and I will make sure that we put them, of course, uh, on the altar for you and pray for your intentions. And again, please stay tuned to all of our amazing news outlets for the latest on this developing situation in Israel. Ciao, ciao. Talk to you later. Have a great day. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.